Welcome to Diverse Voices, a new Central Michigan Life podcast hosted by me, Mia Sikwa. Our goal for Diverse Voices is to bring listeners a sound similar to their own and attention to world issues affecting Mount Pleasant and TMU. I hope you all had a horrific Halloween and a productive election day. That's right, on November 2nd of this past week in many states, including Michigan, local elections along with primary and general elections were held. In Mount Pleasant specifically, two took place on November 2nd. Today, I'll be giving y'all an overview of the candidates, the elections, and what impact these elections could have on the Mount Pleasant area. To help me gain a better understanding of these past elections is Andrea LaFonta. Andrea, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, I am Andrea LaFontaine. I am currently um, in the position of Griffin Chair at CMU. So um, new to that position in my first semester, I'll be there for three years with the goal of hoping to stimulate political consciousness and involvement um, in both students and faculty on campus. And then before that, I I've had a few roles in government, um, but I did serve in the House of Representatives from 2011 to end of 2016. That's so cool. We were talking about that before recording, but I am super into it. People who have listened to the podcast before know that I'm a politics geek. So as I said, like the fact that you were like, did that you and Dr. Rutledge, it's like, I'm geeking out inside. I hope you know, I just want you to know, I'll keep it cool, but I am. <laughs> well, I hope um, that inspires you to maybe run for office because I did it when I was 23. So you could do it anytime. Maybe I will now. <laughs> you should. Alrighty, let's get started. Um, with our own Mount Pleasant and the City Commission election, many may not be sure what a city commission is, so why don't we clear that up. So a city commission are pretty common in the United States. The main jobs of city commission are to figure out main government functions for the city, like taxation, appropriations, and ordinances. They also serve as a legislative body for their respective cities. Am I forgetting anything? I think that covers most of it. I mean, we view it as the, the democratic body that's supposed to um, like represent citizens in their local government, right? So we have city commissions, city councils. We also have village, um, village councils as well and township boards here in the state of Michigan. So three varying forms of local government throughout the state. And it's, it's really where um, people run to serve in their local government. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then let's dive into Mount Pleasant City Commission. So we had about five candidates on the ballot of those citizens were asked to select three that they'd like to see on that um, commission this year. We, they were, according to Mount Pleasant City blog, the candidates for city commission were as follows, Elizabeth Bush, Maureen A.K., Daniel Hess, Philip Krutsky, Ooh, I feel bad when I mispronounce things. Amy Perschbacher. So of those five, Liz Bush, Maureen A.K. and Amy Perschenbach were elected. Maureen A.K. is actually my professor right now. Shout out Maureen. But this election, like many others that were held this past Tuesday, mean much more than one thinks. In episode one of Diverse Voices with guest Lauren Hull, I discussed the importance of voting, especially in relations to new laws being passed in the South. If you haven't checked that episode out, go do it now. So why should you vote for city commission? So voting for city commission, first off, I think you should vote for every election. So whether it be city commission, a township board, a school millage, anything, no matter the election year, I feel like, I mean, I was excited when I turned 18, I went and registered to vote like right away. And I was so excited to vote in my first election, um, which is, I believe it was just a millage election. So it wasn't anything overly exciting, but I feel like it's our civic duty and it's your, it's your, it's your way to be a part of the process. Um, so obviously at that local level, 
in class um, with my students, we've recently been discussing how all politics are local right now. And that local level, you can feel the direct impact of those policies um, reflected in your community. So it's important to be a part of that. And you want to vote for and support people and initiatives that reflect what you believe in and what you want to see in your community. Exactly. That's a really good answer. Um, I think one example of that is I think oh, something that almost everybody is familiar with, especially in Michigan, is the idea of fix the damn roads, you know, mm -hmm. and I think even probably on a state level, I don't know that we see that very much. I mean, if you just drive down Mission Street in Mount Pleasant, oh my gosh, I will probably blow a tire someday just driving down Mission Street. So if that's something that really bothers you, those are the people you talk to. You talk to City Commission. Do you have a better example, Andrea? Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned roads because um, I live in Birmingham and our city commission election was yesterday as well. And unimproved roads in the streets in Birmingham were like a contentious item that people were talking about. So um, before that, we had issues with like a parking garage and how to manage parking in your city. Um, food trucks, I've recently seen something about that. Um, development, responsible development, right? You wanna bring businesses and a tax base into your community, but how do you balance that with um, the residents that live around there, right? Because people, it's, it's their home, a community is their home, but a community also has a responsibility for a level of economic development. So um, finding that balance. Personally, I work in the, um, my full-time job is an executive director of Michigan Trails and Greenways Alliance. So I'm super passionate about parks and outdoor recreation. So um, when I look for a candidate, I look for someone who also shares similar beliefs about ensuring that those public spaces exist um, and potentially grow in our communities. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great answer. And I think we actually had a few in Mount Pleasant specifically that were also associated with that who really wanted to talk about green spaces. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, I think another interesting thing about voting is specifically in Mount Pleasant, and I know you're not from here, but a lot of times what happens is CMU students graduate and then they live here. And I think that's very common in college towns in general. I'm from around Grand Valley. So I see a lot of times like we have a large college student population and post-college student population, but they don't get involved in the local politics, you know, and then they decide to settle down there. They decide to start having families there. It's almost kind of like it's a bit of a late start, you know, like mm -hmm. do we have thoughts. You have thoughts on that? Well, it's never too late to be involved, but I do think as um, once you wherever you decide your permanent residence is going to be and you change your address to there and you start paying taxes to that municipality specifically, then you have like a vested interest in the policies that are happening there. So um, being a CMU alumni and living in Mount Pleasant for four years, I remember um, it was actually, it's when you're living on campus, right? You're still kind of in tune to the local issues but I never changed my address. So I was still voting back home on those issues because that was where my full-time address was. So um, as a student, it's it's an interesting uh, balance to try and figure out, but um, definitely postgraduate, depending on if you're, no matter whether or not you have kids, whether or not you're buying a house, wherever you're living, you should be in tune to those local politics and making sure your voice is being heard and represented. That's a really great answer, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, so if we talk about the November 2nd election on like a grander scale, so it didn't happen in Michigan this, this cycle, but, um, excuse me, in many states, including Georgia, Pennsylvania, Texas, and Virginia, they're doing things like primary and general elections. I think Virginia actually just came out with their primary results. This is technically an off year, meaning that 
it's not at the same time as the national election where you'll vote for congressional and presidential seats, but this could mean a voter, a lower voter turnout for these elections. This could potentially lead to an accurate citizen representation, in my opinion. I mean, when I think you, when you think about it, like to me, that always ends up not being, you know, a great representation of what people want, which I think really sucks, <laughs> you know, like so. Yeah, it is. Um, it is hard in in off years, as we call them, because there isn't a national contender. Uh, it's not a presidential year. Um, we have gubernatorial races, right? So we have these governor races, like the one that just happened in Virginia, um, and it is a lesser percentage of the population that's getting out and voting in these off years, even more so in primary elections. So primary elections typically held um, in Michigan, those are usually in August, but those have even less of a turnout than the general election that happens in November. Um, and it's, I don't know if I would say it's an inaccurate representation um, because I think the only way we could be accurate is if every single person actually got out there and voted. And, and that's hard to do. I mean, yeah. you and I who are involved, obviously we vote, um, but not everybody does. So uh, it further kind of reinforces the point that people should vote, right? And we also notice that people vote when they're usually upset about something, not when they're usually like in support of something. So um, I think some of the, it being an off year, the Biden administration being in office, it typically, um, these alternate years, you'll see uh, the opposing party kind of pick up some additional seats potentially in the upcoming years. So um, we'll see. We'll see how next year will play out. I know we've been starting to talk about it in class, but an off year could also have some potential upside to it. While the voter turnout is low, um, you have to look at how the media is paying attention instead to those local races and uh, those statewide races. So you don't have the presidential campaigns sucking up all the airwaves on TV. And it also makes it a little bit um, easier for finding campaign volunteers because you're also not competing for those higher level races. So there are a few positives, but I do agree. I think everybody should get out there and vote. And it's, it's hard when the turnout is lower. That's true. I've never thought about that, that it takes up so much media coverage that it keeps people from thinking about local elections. That's definitely true because literally yesterday when I was gathering more information for tonight, I, you know, all I saw was stuff about local elections. I was like, this is so weird. Like I never see what's going on in Virginia, like mm -hmm. when there's a national election going on. That's a really good point. Yep. Yeah. So according to, now this is politics, nearly 20% of these elections nationwide are for school board seats. After the height of the pandemic, as we wind down masks in schools and what's being called critical race theory are really hot topics in school systems. Mount Pleasant is actually having their own school board election. The Mount Pleasant school board was having their own issues last year, things that did that were kind of along the lines of critical race theory, but you know, were solved nonetheless. Do we have any predictions about what this will end up doing for the school board, you know? So school board elections, and first off, people that choose to serve, voluntarily serve on their local school boards, I give them all of the credit in the world because yeah. it, I feel like the intensity is amplified so much more so than a local 
city commission because now you're dealing with people's kids and mm -hmm. having a kid myself I can see why probably someone would get fired up right and that school board that is the way for local citizens to get involved with educational decisions and um the mask mandate and like you said critical race theory like I feel like every issue that comes to a school board has got to be so tough. So I give all those candidates so much credit for running for that position. Um, I'll be interested to see. I bet we will see an increase in people wanting to serve on their local school board um, because some of the the issues, right, that we're hearing more buzzwords about and hearing in the in the media um, is now resonating with the school board versus um, people being like, "How do I get involved?" So people are feeling that direct impact whether it be positive or negative and maybe it'll motivate them to run to serve on school boards so their voices can be heard that is good i i think hopefully that it will go in you know a positive way towards more interest in voting because like as you said like they want to get more involved especially when you're dealing with other people's kids you know i am a c-span watcher i hate to admit it but i don't think i've ever seen i don't think i've ever seen a heated debate in congress that's as that's as terrible as watching some of these local school boards, you know, a mother who's like carrying around like several masks in her hand trying to give everyone hand sanitizer, somebody who's brought their poor child who does not want to stand in front of a group of adults who just wants a snack, you know, it's, mm -hmm. you're right, it's intense, it's other people's kids, you know, it's, you got to take care of them, you have to, you know, yeah, I just can't imagine that at all. Um, specifically with masks, though, is there any predictions how that'll affect schools right now? I mean, Pfizer was just approved for kids that are much younger now, and some schools still don't mandate it. Most schools don't. Um, is there any prediction about how that'll affect mask mandates in schools? Well, I think what we're seeing, if we watch how um, Virginia played out, I think masks and COVID-19 are very much going to continue to be a theme in the upcoming elections, especially here in Michigan. Um, now, I believe our governor left the mask mandate to the local public health measures. So up to the county or the individual um, school district to decide what's best. Um, full disclosure, I fully vaccinated. I am pro-vaccine, anti-mandate. Um, I think that it's just, I don't know, personal opinions there, but definitely people fired up on on both sides of it. So um, I do think it's going to be an issue that isn't going away anytime soon. I mean, I don't know if coronavirus will go away anytime soon. We all hope, right? We all hope that we're on the tail end of it and we're coming out of it. But um, we'll see, because I bet, I bet we'll see more of it in 2022. I think you're right. And we're totally fine with all of those opinions. As long as, you know, I always think it's great as long as people, you know, have their own reasons, you know, and they're not trying to make everybody freak out about it. I always think that's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is potentially our new normal. You know, you're right. I think this is going to be, you know, possibly even for the next big election cycle, the national election cycle, this is probably still going to be out there somehow. You know, whether it's how past people handled it or how present people are going to deal with something like it again. Yeah, it's definitely crazy. In my hometown, my little brother still goes to the local high school. We were talking about uh, the sibling, but for a long time, um, before young kids could be vaccinated, masks were mandated at my alma mater, and it was it was crazy. I mean, my parents, of course, are vaccinated people. My dad's afraid of needles, but he got over that. <laughs> 
but you know there was a mask mandate for a very short period of time and there was a lot of not only upset kids but upset parents like you said like being on a school board you know just going and seeing those things happen you know taking my little brother to the school board events because he wanted to know what was going on who's deciding whether he had to wear a mask or not it was crazy you know a lot of kids were taken out of class and I call my little brother had a lot of friends parents tell them that they were going to be homeschooled because they didn't want them to have to wear masks it was crazy but again this is an off, off election cycle as hard as we try you know people still might not want to vote what is the best way according to you andrea to get people excited about voting especially during an off cycle you know what can um voting organizations what can city commissions what can government officials do to get people off excited about off cycles in your best opinion well i think um obviously just making it be known that it is an election day and i know social media helps with that and the ability to vote absentee is um critical as well so if you know an election's coming up and you don't think maybe you can make it there just go talk to your local clerk, get your ballot, get your ballot in. Um, I mean, I get excited to vote. I was disappointed yesterday. I went and voted, I think it was like 430 and I was only number like 150 to come through at the time. And I was like, this is kind of sad. I feel like more people should be out here being a part of this. Um, but unfortunately we see people, people generally don't get out and exercise that right until they feel that direct impact. But I think that we're gonna be feeling it for a while with the elections coming up next year in 2022 and redistricting. And there are so many issues at the forefront right now. Um, mm -hmm. People should get out there and vote because that's your way to be a part of it, right? And if you wanted to get one step further, you can volunteer for a campaign. You can, you can do anything. You can enroll in a class. Uh, political science, 300 or 301, plug for that. Um, you can come talk with me, come to a forum on campus. So outside of just voting, voting is probably the easiest. Make sure you're info informed, vote early, vote often. Um, it's okay to ask questions, right? If you do get your ballot ahead of time, that allows you to do some research and look up those candidates. And majority of those time, of the time those candidates are accessible. They give you their phone number and they tell you to call them if you have questions and um, just do your civic duty, right? You feel good about doing it and they give you a sticker afterwards. So why not, why not vote? Yes, they do. I kept my sticker, I'll, I'm embarrassed to say I definitely kept it for like a year until it like, it scratched itself off of my laptop. I was like, okay, I need to move means on. You need to go get another one. You need to go Yes, I do. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for talking with us today. Do you have any last comments or questions for me? I don't think so. I enjoyed being a part of this and talking about local government. I know we, we cover it in class, but um, yeah, thanks for inviting me. It's It's been fun. Yeah, of course, it's been really fun. Uh, looks like that's all the time we have for today, folks. Today we talked about most recent elections of November 2nd and what that means on local and national levels. Once again, I'm Mia Sigma and this is Diverse Voices.